What's going on guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Video Game Book Club. We are powered by Audio Technica as we replay some of the finest releases in gaming history. I'm your host, John Peck, and joining me, we have Paul James. His hair's not quite as spiky as our uh, Final Fantasy protagonist, but he's, he's here anyway. They look, there's some length to it, but yeah. yeah, spike, not so much. So it's good to be back, though. It, it is good to talk games with uh, Paul James. Uh, so thanks to Bandai Namco and the Reunion re-release, we are winding the clock back to 2008 for Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. This is a review with a bit of a twist, so we're looking at how this game has aged over the years as well as the improvements that they've made in this new generational remaster, if you will. So we'll talk a little bit about our experiences with the game. I'm a massive Final Fantasy VII fiend. Like, that's been one of my favorite games for always, but I never had a PSP. So I didn't even really know about this Crisis Core game coming out until one of my friends just showed me their PSP as they were, like, passing through town. And they had the game, and I kind of, like, I watched the intro, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. But I never played it. Like, never touched it. Didn't even really know the story or how it connected until playing like Final Fantasy remake and that you know I guess mild people start connecting him talking about him yeah mild mild spoilers but Zack's story is more significant in the remake than it was in the original where he comes into the game much later on Um, so that gave me this extra interest in playing Crisis Core and you know when, when PlayStation announced that they were doing the ps plus deluxe thing and adding like old psp games i was like sweet i'm finally maybe going to get a chance to play crisis core without a psp and i didn't need to because they remade it with this reunion re-release which is perfect for what i wanted um with you know all the uh updates and um graphical tweaks uh, and gameplay tweaks and all those sorts yeah the quality of life improvements that just make it a bit more playable for, for the modern generation but yeah that's that's my experience with the game coming here fresh never having played it uh, you've got a very different story yeah i am firstly i guess to that point about it actually being available you know the hopes of it being available through playstation plus or whatever i was pretty adamant that was never going to happen because square enix never actually put out a digital version of the game like my hope was always one day like one day they go oh let's just release it somehow so you can play it on the vita but yeah. no, you could, you could never you could never download the PSP version and play it on your Vita because it was only a physical cart and that was it. Yeah. Um. So good one, Square Enix. Um. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my my memories of the game, like you, um, go way back with Final Fantasy VII itself. It's not the best Final Fantasy. That is nine, and I can't wait for them to announce that remake sometime this year because that was an Nvidia leak thing. Um. Ooh. That and uh, Final Fantasy Tactics are the only things from that leak, Final Fantasy-wise, that haven't actually come true yet. So, the, uh, whilst the everything in- else has come true from that leak, so it's only a matter of time. Yeah, the Nvidia leaks like the gift that keeps on giving to oh. to, to games journos. <laughs> exactly, you're just always sweating on the next thing to to break out from it, and when yeah. when something starts to trickle out, you know it's true because it was in the Nvidia leak. But uh, yeah, I I played the game back on the PSP right when it came out. Um, I picked up the PSP for God of War: Chains of Olympus, uh, so I had the had the console ready when when Crisis uh, to play Crisis Core as well, and that for me was so I would drive uh, sorry drive catch a train for for about an hour each way per day to go to uni, and that was the perfect material for the for the train. Like I get motion sickness in a car, but I can mm. I can sit in the train and play it play a game no problem <laughs> for whatever reason. So. I would just slide back, slide into the seat, uh, have my feet on the seat, get told off for putting my feet on the seat, um, and probably inevitably do it again later on because I just forget about it and I got so sucked into Final Fantasy VII Crisis Course. So, my yeah, my experience was back and forth, train trips, chipping it away an hour at a time, and then obviously a big binge at home or whatever when I wasn't studying for uni or doing other usual uni things, i.e. drinking and not sleeping. Brilliant. So, good times. And lo- loved the game as well. Um, so many fond memories of that game. I, as as we're putting together the doc, and you, you cited the the Metacritics for it, and I go, oh, really? Was it that low? I, I couldn't. I mean, eighty three is a good score, but um, <laughs> I I thought more highly of Crisis Core than I did the core Final Fantasy VII, and that's not to disparage Final Fantasy VII because it, it's excellent. Again, not nine, but it's excellent. Um, 
but I I was even more of a fan of Crisis Core than mm. than the the core game itself. And that was, I think, just like the the change of format, and I guess this kind of jumps into some of the points that we'll discuss shortly. But it yeah. was the way they changed what was typically Final Fantasy, and it felt fresh and interesting. and And that was at a point in my my gaming life where I was actually my tastes were starting to change a little bit. I had been very much traditional JRPGs, platformers, and like your Zelda style action mm-hmm. games for the, my entire life up to that point. But two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, that period is. Um, when when Crisis Core and God of War and those sort of things were coming out, it was when I got a PS3. Uh, I'd finished school, so I was I was, had an income, which means I didn't have to just focus on whatever games. Like Mum was constantly fueling my love of JRPGs, but she didn't <laughs> she didn't have any interest of anything outside of that, and so that's where things remained. Interesting. But then yeah. when I got my PS3, I picked up Resistance. I picked up Uncharted. I started dabbling in other genres. There was more. Um, character action games that started to emerge and Crisis Core kind of leans into that a little bit more than the traditional Final Fantasy experience so it was it was speaking to me through that lens as well it came along at a perfect time for me yeah that's cool that's that's really cool um, I think there's things about it that feel really modern compared to obviously like a game that came out about 10 years prior to it in Final Fantasy 7 um I think the uh, there's there's ways that it falls short of um of Final Fantasy VII. Like I, I don't think the story in this one's as compelling or as complete or as good. Just ov- overall good, but you know we'll, we can get that's to fair. all that no, stuff no, that's fair. a bit later. Yeah. Um. So just to wind the clock back to 2008 when this thing landed, what were the big movies, TV shows, and games of that year? So we had. Benjamin Button hitting the big screen. We had Indiana Jones' last appearance, which shows how how old this is with Crystal Skull. The Dark Knight, Iron Man was you know the first of the MCU films to come out, so that makes that you feel pretty old. <laughs> um, on the small screen, we had the first season of Breaking Bad. We were right in the middle of The Office, Lost, Thirty Rock, Entourage, the Goat, Lost, How I Met Your Mother, Scrubs, Mad Men, and House. What a time for TV. They're some of my favorite shows. What 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 did you say was the goat? Lost. Lost the yeah. Office is right up there as well. You can't yeah, yeah. go wrong with The Office, but uh, mate, I'm a big Lost fan uh, over oh. here. Um can't wait to go down that well again sometime yeah. soon. Yeah, for sure. And then in video games, the ones that I jotted down were Dead Space, which feels topical because because of, of the re-release. GTA 4 landed that year, Smash Bros Brawl, Metal Gear Solid 4, Fallout 3 pretty solid uh just list of of you know five or six games there and this amongst them makes it yeah another pretty good year for for games yeah there's there's some great stuff across all different sorts of media there um it it was a good year to be consuming any of those different sort of things even even music um yeah lots of great stuff from that from that period i guess for sure me again early early well late late teens early 20s there's you're probably exploring the most musically at that particular mm. time, but um, how old were you in 2008? I would have been 19. Yeah, yeah. I was 21 by the end of the the year, and that was my last year of uni. So it was like coming out of of uni when I had all the time to play video games, which was a lot of uh, Fallout 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, still still not a Fallout guy. I just it's just not going to work for me. So bring on Starfield because it's something different. <laughs> All right, so Paul, you, you mentioned um, 83 was the original Metacritic score. This remake, or whatever we we're going to call this, landed at 79, so slightly less. But how did you find the experience to, to revisit Crisis Core after all these years? Obviously, as we said, a, a fresh take on it on a modern console. Baffling that the original score was as low as it is. Baffling that the, <laughs> the remaster, remake, hybrid, whatever we want to call it, is even lower. But um, whatever. Who cares? People are entitled to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I obviously hi- highlighting already that I'm a big, big fan of the game in the first place. So I was relishing the opportunity to to play it again. I was I was screaming and shouting about this when when remake first came out in 2020. Like this, this has to happen. This is a matter. Like it's it's only a matter of time. It's going to. So I, I was adamant it was going to happen at some point. Thrilled mm. that it finally did. Um, and as I said, it's it's one of my favourite Final Fantasies, so really, really eager to, to jump into it. But um, 
I mean, you've got things like the the old CG things, and it's the same thing that, and I guess it's, when, when we are discussing, is this a remake, is it a remaster, it's the thing that, for me, tips it back towards the remaster side, because your remasters, when they come out, yeah. um, developers struggle to do anything with the, the old CG cutscenes. It's either remake them entirely, or they look off in comparison. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happened here with uh, with Crisis Core. They've they've put a little bit of love into it. Like you can see, there's some effort, but they didn't rebuild those cutscenes in any way, and so they stand out when you compare it to the. I mean, it's not of the caliber of you know remake, but mm. the visuals in in this Crisis Core reunion look fantastic. Um, it really pops. Yeah, and you I- wouldn't believe it was a PSP game when you see it. No, I, when I watched the intro, even the CG cutscenes that you're um, a bit down on, I was really impressed. And I, I kind of had to go, wait a second, what did these look like on the PSP? And I went back and watched like a YouTube video of like the opening train scene. And I was like, man, the PSP must have been <laughs> a lot more powerful than I thought. Oh, yeah, look, of, it was pretty good. These cutscenes look pretty yeah. good for that time. Especially because yeah. it's the small screen. It actually loses a bit when you watch it on a bigger screen yeah. for through YouTube where it's been, you know, scaled in a way that's not meant to be scaled in the first place, so. Yeah, um, but that's yeah, certainly I, I an interesting were... aspect. Yeah, I, so I was impressed with, you know, what they were able to do with those and, you know, parts of the game almost feel like modern, like yeah. uh, like as, as as without having it right next to 7 Remake, like in my head it's like, yeah, this is like close to it at least, um, which I thought was was impressive um and you know as far as the comparison to to the original which i haven't played but just like the composition of those cutscenes and like the action like it all felt pretty cutting edge especially for what would have been you know 2008 you've had cutscenes in games for a while but they definitely seemed more uh yeah, more modern than like some of the the ones that I'd been used to seeing around that time. You know, going I mean, back, going back to like, you know, GTA Four, like the GTA games prior to that, the Metal Gear games prior to that. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a flex going on from Square Enix when it comes to that because people had already been screaming for years about a Final Fantasy Seven remake. Keep in mind, by the time that this mm-hmm. game came out. There'd already been that Final Fantasy VII tech demo for the PS3. Yes, yeah. Um, which was only ever going to be a tech demo, but of course people lost their minds over it. It did. It looked amazing for what it was. But um, there was already a bit of a, a tone set. And so even though they were going to the PSP, they really had to try and squeeze everything they could out of it. And they absolutely did. Those cutscenes, yeah, for the time looked amazing. And yeah, they, they lose a bit, um, I think, when they get stretched across a bigger screen, which is kind of what happens, I think, when you watch it on YouTube, on your computer, or, or even despite the work that they've put into it even when you, I think you watch it in this in this reunion remaster but um that yeah they did some incredible things back in the day with that yeah overall the experience of playing the game I found it a bit disjointed between what was dated and what was fresh um and I couldn't tell if that was like these things that are fresh are fresh because they've been revamped or if that was what it was originally like. So you're probably in a better place to talk to that aspect as far as, um, yeah, the mechanics and some things that feel a bit janky and some things that feel really good. Well, what was it for you? Because again, I mean, there probably is that degree of rose tinted glasses Mm. for me where it probably feels smoother back in the day than what it actually was. So if you, you know, if you start citing (laughs) things, I can probably tell you what the, I think I'm in a better position there to tell you. Yeah. Okay, I oh, know this change versus this and that. Um, let's let's save that for what holds up the worst because I've got you know a few things there to to talk about. But we'll we'll. Oh, skip- then I can I can fill in a couple blanks then. So for example, like on that <laughs> gameplay side, the stance, like they added you know this kind of a different stance oh, yeah. that comes in later in the piece. Like that's totally new. Um, yeah. And I, I think in some ways, kind of makes the back end of the game a bit easier as well in terms of how you can kind of utilize that to kind of bash and crash through in ways that you couldn't. Um, mm-hmm. during the original, like in the original Crisis Core, um, and then then I think a lot of it after that is just purely polished. Like they've really tweaked and refined collision and all those sorts of basic fundamentals that that you can do when you're going and remastering or remastering slash. I think in that component, almost remaking mm-hmm. a game, um, that they they can fix up a lot of those sort of things and make it feel smoother, make the make the collision reliable 
yeah, in ways right. it wasn't on the the more primitive platform. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Okay, so getting into the categories, Paul, what do you see here as the most iconic sequence of of this game? Oh, I mean, um, I, I think most people agree. I, I know you don't, having seen your your choice there, but it, it's the ending. Um, and I think even more so now. I think there's there's a there's an extra layer of context that goes into it for anyone who's played remake. Um, mm, yeah. And knowing that, as as you said, and spoilers, people. Um, for for Final Fantasy VII remake, it it is very clear that Zach is going to play a far greater role in this thing, and it's potentially going to be walking, talking alongside key characters. It's kind of how I'm potentially reading some of that situation. It's possible. We'll say it's um, possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Sorry, that is me putting a, a layer of my own uh, <laughs> speculation in there, but it's like they're they're obviously deviating from the path, and so I think as a result, Zach is going to play a much greater role which is obviously not the case in um in the core final fantasy 7 and so to release it even as they have at this point kind of reminds people of like this is a very definitive end for this character and the way mm. and now we're obviously waiting into spoilers for for christ score and that's fine yeah um like there, there was no coming back from this and the way the way cloud kind of absorbs and becomes Zack in lots of weird ways that he like from that moment um is really really fascinating i think just yeah i, th- I think the the backdrop of where we're at now with the final fantasy 7 remakes even adds to the ending of crisis core more so now than yeah. what i already thought of very highly in the past yeah definitely it's def like having played 7 remake before this I was waiting for that scene and I thought it was going to come a bit sooner in the game, closer to the sequence that I'm going to mention. But when it did happen, I was like, yeah, this, this is familiar. This is what it has been alluded to um, at, you know, that section of, of remake. So yeah, I can see that being a good uh, and maybe the expected response for most iconic sequence. Yeah, very cliche, I think, for me. Um, for me, and this is probably totally coming from the, fact that i'm such a big final fantasy 7 fan but it was the nibbleheim sequence which is the part that i was waiting for basically because that's what i know about zach before i played this game because yep. playing seven you know that he comes into this town and there. you know there's a whole lot of uh unreliable narrator stuff happening in seven that later is shown that zach was around but um yeah seeing sephiroth in that town um seeing him interacting with Genova and you're at the reactor and burning the village down with that iconic shot of him walking oh. through the fire like that's what I'm thinking of that's why it's for me the most iconic sequence and I don't blame you in the slightest really like any yeah. sequence across seven um and Christcore when you go to Nibelheim is amazing mm. Like they, that's they do not it's, much that's, better. Yeah, that's arguably like the most iconic sequence of seven. So it's, it feels to me like natural that it would be the most iconic one here. And like added to that is like the the you know coming to fruition of seeing that scene reanimated ten years later with more powerful hardware and yeah, you know more textures and polygons and all that stuff compared to. The F, the, the you know the the CG sequences that we had on the PS One, so I think for people that played Crisis Core at release, it would have been like a huge moment of like, oh my gosh, it looks so like good compared it's to so real, yeah, it's so realistic, <laughs> it's photo real, it can't get any better than this. Um, and I know like again when if if that sequence happens in a Final Fantasy VII remake sequel, um it's going to be the same thing all over again so that 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 for me was iconic and that was what i was waiting for um i feel like they're obliged to have to do it like even if it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense they've just got to <laughs> somehow have him peeking out through a burning building right yeah absolutely uh, so what what did you feel like was the most 2000s thing or moment in this game because you know flip phones as soon as they showed up, I was like, okay, this game was definitely released in 2008. Is there anything else that, that says 2000s as much as the flip phone? Well, yeah, I mean, in our dock there, like, I, I just purely seconded what you had yeah. there. But And look, they were on the money. Like, I, I distinctly remember 
mm. you know, playing my PSP and then flipping out my flip phone and <laughs> sending an SMS, and that's about all I could do at the time. Um, with the thing, so like they they hit the nail on the head in terms of the the devices of the day, but obviously it, it sticks out a bit more now in twenty twenty two. It's quite it's quite funny to see it included though because it puts the game at a certain point in phone technology. Yeah. Where like I can't remember if they um, used phones in remake, but did they have flip phones in remake? Because they've they've kind of made it canon now that they have flip phones. That yeah, it's kind of <laughs> it's set in two thousand eight. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's oh, I'd have to I'd have to go and play remake again, which I'll one hundred percent do before Rebirth comes out. Hopefully at the end mm. of this year. Um, I don't think that'll happen, but hopefully at the end of the year. Um, Look, I mean the the way Zach speaks, um, I mean that obviously sticks right out in terms of just kind of some of the vernacular of the time, yeah, and kind of the the cool sort of language that he's using. Do you think there's anything gameplay wise that's like that you came came across and you're like, oh, that reminds me of what games were like in the two thousands? No, because really, I, mean, I guess kind of, and maybe that was just because of where I was at with my my gaming. But like, I guess for a JRPG, like. Crisis Core was really tip of the spear in terms of what it was yeah. trying to do with that action-based combat. Um, Final Fantasy Twelve was a bit more, and that was a couple of years prior. That was kind of far more action-centric, but even then you would, you'd still be able to pause and delegate um, what you wanted mm. them to do. You had the Gambit system that would then oversee what your party members would do. So... Yeah, and as a result, you know, a lot of people kind of complained that that game felt very automated. As a result, like you would, you just load up your gambits and then take your hands off the control and just let the let the combat play out. Um, but whereas this, yeah, really felt tip of the spear. So it, yeah, yeah, it the gameplay doesn't feel of its time. It feels like it's five years earlier than yeah, what it maybe should I, be. I, I totally agree with you there. Like. Where this this question leads straight into the next one what holds up the best and for me it's as far as the gameplay goes it's that actionified materia system um, yep. the materia system of Final Fantasy 7 I love because of how simple it is compared to a lot of other Final Fantasy 7 games I just hate when they overcomplicate all that stuff and 8 is like the prime example to me oh. of stuffing it up um, I played it for the f- first time really last year and I was like what what are they yeah, doing? The junction like, system's awful. The draw draw system and the like the GF system and like having to like reallocate all these abilities each. Anyway, we're not here to talk about like why Final Fantasy Seven, uh, Final Fantasy Eight is is one bad, of the worst. Is, is bad, but um, uh, yeah, I, I love that they so they they kept the material system, but they found a way to make it action oriented instead of turn based. Um, by by allocating each button to a different move, it really makes you carefully select which material you're going to have. You're going to have um, magic abilities, healing, physical abilities. You know something that increases your stats, like a HP plus or something. You really have to yeah. think about like what what the boss fight is and what's going to give you the best. Um, abilities to to exploit the the, the enemy so i, I really getting like your teeth kicked in in the first yeah, place and yeah, then definitely <laughs> then return yeah um this isn't coming up in any of what we're talking about but did you did you experience any difficulty spikes in the game i think there was only one boss that i was like man this really jumped up a level not not playing reunion um i certainly felt it more back in the day um but that would have been i, I don't know it's, it's hard to qualify why that was um was it because i wasn't super familiar like and comfortable with the the mode of combat at that particular stage because i was far more turn-based and so wasn't as perhaps as um, despite my age perhaps as dexterous as i needed to be in that sort of thing and quick you know quick thinking and Mm. just comfortable in that sort of format i don't know um because i certainly remember a few towards the back end that yeah kicked my teeth in a little bit yeah it was and then i just go off and grind and it was oh angel penance that that kicked my butt um and i like saying that i didn't do any side quests in this game i didn't do like the training yeah, right. the training room simulation or anything i just mainlined it um so that's a, that, that stuff's good fun too i mean it's it's yeah. simple enough it's pretty straightforward it's it was just a time thing for me i just was like i want to get through this and experience the story mostly yeah um 
but yeah so the, the combat I certainly felt like held up really well it reminded me of um, aspects of Final Fantasy 7 in the way it feels to like wield that sword in just like your basic attacks yeah. and I liked that I, I, I thought that they like it made me think like was it this good in the original and like it sounds like you're saying it was well yeah, that's certainly my memory of it. But again, I <laughs> yeah. think there's some of that context that kind of clouds, and I think a little bit more in clouds, but um, that kind of obscures that a little bit because I just didn't have that confidence, proficiency, yeah. or even experience with that sort of thing. So, but it's it certainly in terms of you know where it stacks up time wise, yeah, it's certainly ahead mm. of its time. Yeah. I can't argue that. And it starts off in this game kind of quite basic um, when you don't have as many abilities, and I found myself in the early part of the game kind of like rushing through fights or even trying to avoid them because they weren't as fun but then as you get more powerful they become a lot more enjoyable which is i guess that's probably the case with most of these games yeah they ease you into it so the thing that aside from the combat and that feel that was beyond its um it's it's time really that i thought held, held up the best was the fan service um i i didn't love the story elements of this game that were completely original aside from um, what we already knew in Final Fantasy VII. Um, we'll, we'll get to those in what holds up the worst, but, you know, as soon as, like, Aerith shows up and you're at the, the church and you're talking about oh, yeah, flowers yeah. and, you know, you're seeing Sephiroth and you're seeing... Uh, and his gradual descent and those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, and, and you're seeing Cloud and you go to Nibble, Nibbleheim. Like, when, when all these things were happening that were what I would consider fan service to people that love Final Fantasy VII... I was all about it. But then as soon as all that stuff's gone, I'm just like, who are these characters? Who's this Genesis and Angel? Angel, yes. Genesis, no, for reasons <laughs> that we'll discuss shortly. But... Yeah, there's just a lot. I mean, yeah, Angel, um, I, I did like elements of that, but there was also things that I found kind of frustrating. So unless you want to say more about like what holds up well, I probably want to move into like what maybe what doesn't hold up so no, well. Let's, yeah, let's, let's flip it. Yeah. Okay, so to start with, as far as the gameplay goes, I didn't really like any of the mini games. They all they felt like kind of ham fisted in and like Final Fantasy Seven had tons of mini games, but they were all like in my view, they're all really fun. And in this time round, it just felt like they were teaching you a new thing to momentarily use. Like when you have to chop down the bombs as they the, come the into the village. Um yeah. that was kinda of like weird and it was like weirdly animated and timed as well then there's the sequence when you have to track down bruno in the village the kid and i was just like can this section and that's, be that's over? quite bloated um, yeah and then you've like the sniper sections which like they're fine but they just feel so weird and out of place in a final fantasy 7 game to be like suddenly you, you it's a first person shooter or, or whatever so um they for me felt very dated and maybe back then it was like oh let's just add some different elements to give people some variety but i think almost it's, it's hard to say that there's any such thing as a consensus in games because there's not but i feel like best practice often in the, is the case of don't introduce a mechanic that's used once and that's it i guess that kind of shows the like, i guess is representative of the time though i mean lots yeah. of games were i mean the 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 bomb chopping thing like that's it's a rhythm thing so it's kind of drawing on what's popular moment yeah guitar hero and those rhythm sort of bass things it's obviously far lighter but it's you know trying to embrace yeah. that sort of thing and you would see you know oh qtes how can we bring those in because god of war is doing that so well you know and look it's that was very much what a lot of games are doing at the time mm. um so how can we grab this element and grab this element? And they'd get stuck in there, but then, it, as you say, felt, felt really disjointed as a result. And yeah, I completely agree. Those those parts are absolutely the weakest parts of mm. of Crisis Core. Oh, I'm glad. When when they deviate agree. from what the game is meant to be, that's when it starts to struggle. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I don't. It, it's it's almost like in you know the I guess the modern version would be like days gone when you start picking flowers for ten minutes. You know, oh, or, yeah. or you know, to use a more modern example, God of War Ragnarok. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's Fruit. long a long sequence when you're not fighting anyone, and it's kind of like, what are we doing here? Um, at least I I felt like that. Um, so yeah, games uh, are ten, but that was a that was a 
weaker moment. Yeah. 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 Um, there's a. There's a. I want to. What do you think of the dialogue in this game? Because you know, these JRPGs and Final Fantasy games, especially, they don't always have the best dialogue. And when, especially when it's getting voiced, it's hard to avoid that kind of over-the-top anime style that some people love, other people don't necessarily love. And I think Genesis is probably like like the worst example. Well, that, that. that was my one main thing when it came to kind of what holds up the worst is Genesis. Like if I... I mean, I'm done with the with um, reunion now, but like if I heard him talk about Loveless again, I might have just jumped through the screen and assaulted the guy. It's, like, it's just, so it's, over the top and melodramatic stuff weak like it yeah it's not and it doesn't feel like how people talk even someone who's crazy and obsessed with a play it almost just felt like they're like oh loveless is something that's been established in the canon of final fantasy 7 let's bring it into the main story and it's like no don't it's and it's really nothing that anyone cares about in the core of final fantasy 7 either for most people it's it's yeah. a building with the word loveless written on it it's go, a poster oh, yeah, okay. yeah it's like a, it's, it's a you know, based on I think it's based on like an album artwork or a stage show artwork that's that's yep. um, famous from that era. But yeah, it's um it's difficult to stomach at times. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was kind of my main thing, and so I can I can totally understand. So for me, it was almost purely the Genesis component, but I can I can certainly how see how you or anyone else might extrapolate beyond just that point as well. Mm. Um, I like Angeal, but I can see where he kind of delves into that sort of space a little bit and tries to get a little bit too deep and meaningful in ways that actually can kind of maybe be counter to that. Yeah, use your um, sword, man. <laughs> use your sword. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good sword. Yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. So, so I, I can yeah. totally, I can totally understand it as much as those other aspects didn't bother me, mm. as opposed to Genesis, who can. Yeah. <laughs> Died yep. in Nibelheim, Nibelheim fire. Yeah. So the, the last thing that I wanted to talk, well, it kind of, it's kind of a two pronged thing, but the last thing I want to talk about is this idea of the demystifying of Sephiroth and the one winged angels. So it's, I said before how cool it was to see Sephiroth, but it's kind of like too much of a good thing in some ways because in Final Fantasy VII, like to, to, I got to say, to me, he's one of the my favorite villains in games like i played this game as a kid every time he showed up i pooped my pants like he was just so scary of oh, the atmosphere goes figure. through the roof and the the music that plays when he shows up and the fear that everyone in the game has of this figure is just like you know he's, he's just he's like an urban legend basically um and to see so much of him in this game and just to see him like casually talking to people and um you know he's probably got a flip phone as well and it's just yeah. like i don't know it's kind of it's kind of like um just imagine sephiroth taking selfies for a second yeah it, it's yeah. just kind of like takes away the mystique a little and i'm just like oh it's almost too much of a good thing and i, I like it more when there's more of a mystery but i guess like you had to do it so um I, it's maybe not fair to say that it holds up the worst but I thought it was worth mentioning and then the other side of this is the one winged angels thing which I felt like in 7 the one winged angel was a um, like a supernatural thing it was Sephiroth's final form it's like the final boss fight of the game yep. it's, it's, it's not like you're walking down the street and oh there's a guy over there with a one wing that's a weird thing to see and I'll just keep walking whereas in this game there's just one winged angels everywhere there's people popping like. up left right and centre do, do you ever watch um, I'm drawing a reference for people watching and listening here I don't. I tend not to as much as I love this one particular anime I don't typically wander into this space were you ever a Dragon Ball person? Uh, like a passing Dragon Ball like, Z specifically? Like you didn't follow it but it, it was on in the morning so occasionally I checked it out I just distinctly remember like Vegeta at one point who's kind of considered you know for a period like one of the more antagonistic sort of characters eventually yeah. finds himself on the right side but he's still kind of a bit, bit abrasive and a bit of an arsehole um, and he discovers at one point that you know it's it, it's been like his life's journey to finally become this Super Saiyan and then all of a sudden his kid who's like five or six is just <laughs> bouncing around with Goku's kid who's also the Super Saiyan and they're just fooling around and think it's the funniest thing in the world and he's just this thing has just become a child's play toy and it, like it's it's the exact same sort of thing here like oh we're just 
throw on one wing angels act like it's yeah like it's candy it'll be like kids just walking around with lightsabers like in star yeah. wars it's like you should have a bit more reverence for this thing it's it's a big deal any wonder um, anakin got you you weren't showing respect <laughs> sorry spoilers for revenge of the sith people yeah so yeah you know it's it's, <laughs> it's like are, are the one-winged angels just like commonplace um and, and i know like they tried to, I, it just felt like they were kind of retconning what it was to say that like these guys were the original sephiroth came after them he's like the better version of them but seeing them in just everyday situations and not boss fights or whatever it just and, and even like just watching them fly with one wing was kind of like phys- like I'm not like a physicist but that seems like impossible <laughs> oh it's 100% impossible but uh, I guess that's the beauty of fiction I guess yes. we can you can I mean that's something that you'll have to get your head around with reading because we know it's going to happen like it happen more weird. and more it looks weird. So, anyway, um, yeah. How did you feel? Like, how do you feel in in like rebirth. the broader sense about um, one winged angels just being everywhere, seemingly? Yeah, I, I I think it's much as you say, and even with my little hand fisted Dragon Ball reference there, like it is like they demystifying, as you said, is it's it's a really really good word for it because it does break down this this image that we established based on the core Final Fantasy 7 and what we believe it to be and all of a sudden oh you and you and oh maybe I can be one too if I just try, try hard, hard enough, enough yeah. I'll just <laughs> sprout one out here yeah like it's it it, it breaks that down a little bit yeah um, it, it introduces so can, like um like supernatural powers into like <laughs> The, the rules of this universe seem to be like yes there are monsters and weird things but people are people and Sephiroth has to like combine with the ancients power or like the I'm trying to think like what's the, the, the life stream and all this life like, stream, yeah. all these things to actually advance to an, another level and, and become his ultimate form or whatever but here it's just like yeah, I feel like being a one-winged angel now, as you said, sprout out the wing. So, yeah, it, it kind of... I, I don't love that they, from my perspective, retconned what that was to add something that they probably thought people would think was cool, but just kind of makes it less special. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And um, yeah. the, the, the timeline of it complicates things more for mm. all those reasons. So I'm going to try and forget about that anyway. Um, <laughs> where can you see the influence of Crisis Core in games that came after it? And I think Final Fantasy VII would be like the main remake. But oh, for sure. Other, um, sorry, Final Fantasy VII remake would be the main example is what I meant to say. But, you know, there's plenty of other action JRPGs that have come since then that used the more real-time combat. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it was it was really tip of the speed. Obviously, within Final Fantasy... Um... Uh, I mentioned 12 came out a couple of years prior and that was kind of half a step in that direction. Mm. 7 was even further. 13 was even further despite the myriad of issues with 13. Um, 15 definitely has that feel to it. Yeah, and I mean the thing is 13, like the combat was absolutely the strongest part. Um, 15 obviously leans heavily into it. We know, yeah, 7 remake obviously 16 is very action focused like it was the tip of the spear for that and it led the way for a lot of JRPGs as well at the end of the day Final Fantasy is is the the granddaddy of the whole genre mm. um, it's not the oldest out there but it is the long been the leader um, it feels like it would be like the highest selling of of the exactly yeah of the genre yeah I mean I, I, cer- I certainly think about um the ebbs and flows of the JRPG genre even like it peaked in that kind of Super Nintendo PS1 era and that's when you're talking about Final Fantasy 6 and 7 and 9 of course um, <laughs> like the the absolute pinnacles of the whole thing and there was a bit like I love 10 but I don't consider it quite in that t- like the but also through that same PS2 period when we're seeing 10 with a slight decline 12 you know excellent but again not that same, same sort of quality and in the big drop off that we saw at the PS3 era um, the whole genre was ebbing and flowing at the same pace that Final Fantasy was like I feel, really feel like when when they were on the money then the rest of the genre would follow suit hmm. um, and Crisis Core was kind of a the the point where they would start to 
elevate things again. It took quite a while, um, but they were the ones that kind of started to steer people in the in the right direction through what they did with Crisis Core. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that that's um, that seems pretty clear, and I'm glad. Like I, when I was talking before about like things that don't hold up in the gameplay, I didn't mention like, that like because I've especially because I've played Seven Remake, I felt like I wanted to use the sword all the time outside of battle to like smash boxes and things like that but instead of that (laughs) there's an interactive thing like press x to smash the box and that kind of thing felt like a real like uh, from a reminder when the game came out yeah yeah that that was a thing of like um that they're very much separated what's action and um that the player can interact with uh compared to you know compared to the way things are now like the, the distinction between this is a gameplay section and this is yeah, a the different states section. of gameplay yeah. yeah exactly that's what i was trying to say um i feel like it's it's a bit more loose and flowing now and that certainly stood out <coughs> when every time i tried to smash a box and i couldn't swing my sword around but anyway uh we're now going to talk briefly about some of the characters in this game as we hand out the Morden Solace Omni Tool Award, which is awarded to the character that kind of just shows up and does their thing and, uh, you know, steals the show. There's, you know, obviously those main characters that we talked about before, but um, as far as, like, the, the side characters, I think, like, er- like when Aerith's on screen is probably the m- the main thing for me because, you know, there's so much uh, affection and And the baggage. music kicks in. Yeah. And, yeah, baggage. Yeah, emotional baggage that comes with that character and um, the, the arc that you see and, like, even, like, the, the, the way that her relationship with Zack uh, mirrors her relationship with Cloud. It kind of makes me think, like, what, you just just fall in love with every guy that falls through the roof do you like makes cloud feel Absolutely. a bit less special <laughs> um then you got the turks who are just really cool characters i love when they show up in every game uh it the was delivery is cool. always good with them yeah and it was cool to see them um realized as 3d models probably for the first time when this game came out um compared well, i guess to- they were 3d models in uh in seven as well but pretty well pretty well yes i guess yeah yeah, you're totally right when i say 3d models i probably should say more than about four or five blocks stacked (laughs) not not four polygons connected together yeah um yeah that so that was cool um but i think yeah i think i'll give the award to uh aerith who is played by andrea bowen i don't know if that's like did they use the same voice actors as seven remake no which is something i am confused by i don't i don't quite understand what the rationale is in that particular in that particular thing there because did they re-record a, the dialogue yeah they re-recorded dialogue so why wouldn't you go yeah. with the new voice actors weird yeah maybe it's a union thing who knows <laughs> oh yeah anyway, possibly uh does final fantasy 7 crisis core pass the internet relevancy test via memes and gifs I'm going to say no, like, I don't think this thing, I mean, maybe in 2008 it was memed, but I don't think that it stood the test of time just in that small area. What do you think? Um, there's only, there's only one thing that kind of pops up uh-huh. a that? little bit when it comes to uh, Gongaga and all that sort of stuff. Like you, you'll see that <laughs> pop up, um, okay. especially, especially like when the reviews dropped, I, I remember Kieran Vabouge from, um, well played and press start that like was all over it um at the moment those reviews drop he was just thrilled to start sharing all those screenshots with with the text there and all that and it's and it's funny like i, I can appreciate that but um, yeah that's nice <laughs> but yeah that's that would be the only thing and I, I would still with you i would say no for the most part yeah certainly not compared to other games no other, no other, not, other, yeah not even okay. close and I think that could just come down to like less people played this game than other big games, even though it is a Final Fantasy VII, you know, franchise. So is Dirge of Cerberus and a, a bunch of other ones that um, people probably either had less interest in or they didn't have a PSP like I didn't. So, yeah, I'm glad that people like me have had a chance to access this 
for the first time in a lot of instances. So you definitely uh, feel it was a worthwhile thing, though, like um, considering considering you missed it and obviously you'd seen and heard things and you've got the context of remake and all that sort of stuff. This was a worthwhile yeah. journey for you. Yeah, definitely. And like, let, let's just go to that last question and we'll circle back um, on the agenda. But is it still a good game? Yes. Um, I think I I had if they high... did, if they didn't tweak the mechanics like and polished yeah. up in the ways that they have, it would have been problematic. Like if it was a more traditional remaster. Mm. Yeah. It, that would have been really problematic. Sure. Yeah. See, I see. I can't compare to what it was like to play in two thousand eight on a small screen that you're holding in your hands. Um, well, it's the one stick versus the twin sticks, and the way they've right. kind of remapped things in that sense. Yeah. It's just like the amount of control you have, even like it's yeah. just some of those fundamental aspects. Mm. But as far as like, what's it like to play? What's this game called? <laughs> Reun- Reunion. Yeah. <laughs> Crisis Core Reunion. What's it like to play this game for the first time? It's still a good game. Uh, it wasn't in my like top 10 for games of the year, but I, if someone had put it in there, I wouldn't be like against that for their personal preference. Um, there's elements that are dated that probably knock it down in my eyes, but overall, if you like action RPGs or if you're really into the lore and canon of uh, Final Fantasy VII, then there's plenty here to, to get into and to appreciate and to love. Um, and, and you know there's people like um, like Brendan and Jack who we're both friends with who I, I think I feel like their first well not Jack but Brendan's first entry into Final Fantasy I think is Final Fantasy 7 Remake um, and cool. I, I know Jack yeah. never played Final Fantasy 7 so his first experience of these characters was Remake and for people like that if they have the time I think Crisis Core will add to your enjoyment of whatever comes next in those franchises that are still going but at the same time go back and play the original Final Fantasy 7 you need that context before we get to Rebirth yeah I mean it's hard to recommend a game that's that old for people that weren't there at the time that's the harder thing because I, I mean I go back and play that game and I still love it but it's hard to know like would everyone appreciate it and it's easy to play because you can like the versions that are out dial the damage now, up you can speed them up you can use guide mode or whatever you can like just get through the story quite easily um but you know i i appreciate especially someone like brendan trying to play everything playing way too much fortnite it's not gonna it's probably never gonna happen but anyway just gotta gotta drop fortnite that's all it takes i I would agree with that just stop watching so much anime brendan um that too this is basically an anime but without the annoying voices um but also with some annoying voices still. Yeah, but not uh, on the PS1. There's no annoying voices. On oh, yeah. PS1. Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so you agree that it's still a good game? Oh, absolutely. Um, love my time going back to it. Relish the opportunity. Been longing for the opportunity for a long time. Mm. Uh, been cursing Square Enix for a long time for not making that PSP version available, but they've now done it the right way. So I- I'm stoked that it's out there. Um, and... Yeah, I guess I'm I'm curious to see what they do with Rebirth because that may just guide me towards another playthrough because of it. We'll just have to mm. wait and see what happens there. So, um, yeah, really, really happy that it's back out there and that a new audience gets to experience it, that I just get to re-experience it. It's awesome. And trophies. Did you play Well, there's that it? too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm... It looks like a hard play. Yeah. It, it, I don't think it's it anything ridiculous, but I just... Yeah. Yeah, I think you've got a hard mode along the way, which yeah. is not something I'm willing to do right now anyway. Yeah. Maybe one day. If I'm not going to get the plat with the, the original game or remake, which I haven't, then uh, I'm not going to sure. rush to make this one the outlier. Okay. So that would have been the last question, but we've got this this next one to wrap things up. Could you make this today? I think this game could come out today um, as a new game and it would be a lot more like remake in the way that you know obviously it would look a bit better there'd be more cohesion between what's gameplay and what's exploration as far as like you could use your sword to break boxes and stuff like that yep. which we referred to um interesting thing about this game you only play as zach there's no party which is i'm gonna say probably the only Un- final fantasy yeah it's very it's probably the only time in a mainline ish Final Fantasy world that that's been possible I I haven't played every single one of them but I can't 
I can't think of anything like mm. MMOs are kind of a weird yeah like, I think eleven yeah, we'll, maybe yeah eleven slash fourteen we can kind of discount like throw them out but they're just because of the nature of what they are the the traditional Final Fantasy single yeah. player thing. I think you would. I can't, yeah. I can't if, think of it. If it was probably if it was made now, I think you would maybe would have a party, and it would be more like seven, the the, the yeah. combat style of seven. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think that everything else in the game has aged well enough that you know it would exist. They'd probably take out the mini games or make them feel more relevant and more relevant, better. Um, but all things considered. It could easily slot in alongside, you know, the majority of JRPGs and be probably better than than most of them. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It holds up well. It holds up really yeah. well. All right, well, dear listeners, thanks for checking out Video Game Book Club. Of course, you're on the Hungry Gamers feed right now, and there'll be the return of the Hungry Gamers before too long. They're in the middle of their festive break, recovering from another year of delivering you the news and other good fun bite-sized pieces of gaming content but until they're back you can share the podcast with your friends subscribe if you haven't already grab your 8-bit merch over at shop8bit.net you can follow us on uh, well you can you can help support us on ko-fi ko-fi.com slash we are 8-bit to help keep the emotional lights on There'll probably be some news not too far away about what we're doing with uh, our Kofi supporters this year. But until then, Paul, thank you for joining us. Not a problem at all. It's good to talk Final Fantasy. It's good to chat to you again. Yeah, it is. And and yeah, until uh, the Hungry Gamers return, I guess we can be the ones to say much love and stay hungry. (laughs) 